on the Hard Rocker Sports Network from KTech 91.3. This is Hard Rocker Huddle, your podcast home for South Dakota Mines Athletics. My name is Josh Van Valkenberg Gernert. Welcome into another episode of the Hard Rocker Huddle. Today we're finishing up Athletic Training Month with Alyssa Egan. And then our second guest today will be Director of Golf, Luke Wheeler. First, Alyssa, just kind of start off by talking a little bit about, you know, what Athletic Training Month is, what it means to you, and what you feel like the overall purpose of it is. Okay. So Athletic Training Month is an opportunity to appreciate and recognize athletic trainers across the globe and all that we do for athletes, companies, and just about everywhere that you could think of um, across the board. Yeah, actually you kind of brought something up that I wanted to touch on with companies. When I actually didn't know this until I talked to Caleb, but how athletic training has kind of made its way into like the public sector, like Amazon and just all sorts of companies that, you know, are not athletic companies, but are now having athletic trainers. What do you think has been, I guess, the cause for the development of that? A lot of it is actually liability. So athletic trainers we're not just in collegiate settings. We are. We specialize in prevention. We specialize in emergency care, making emergency plans. We also save companies a lot of money, being able to pay us instead of having to pay medical bills, is a huge money saver, and will also develop employee satisfaction because now they have health care on site and being able to take care of some of those emergency situations be in charge of some of that prevention actually helps companies a lot in the long run yeah i think um, a lot of what athletic trainers do maybe isn't you mentioned prevention but people don't see you doing that they see you on the field when somebody gets hurt or they see you but there's so much more that goes into athletic training than what people see. Mm-hmm. What kind of, just talk a little bit about, you know, what your day-to-day looks like on a non-game day and then a game day as well. Okay, so on a non-game day, there are a lot of meetings, paperwork, administrative duties, referrals, speaking with physical therapists, speaking with doctors, speaking with parents, speaking with athletes, making sure people are staying accountable. But then I also set a large side, a large time frame set, is set aside for rehabilitation and uh, prevention as well. And then oftentimes there's practice coverage and just making sure that we're on the scene if anything emergent happens. And then also doing recovery care after practices as well. Um, so they can be in their best shape each day and feeling good each day. And then usually I end my day with a little more paperwork. And <laughs> some cleaning, and I'm able to go home. Yeah, you, I mean, you kind of mentioned it, but even when you're when you have sports that are not in season, it's not like you're just done. You're still absolutely not. I mean, There's, right now you're probably doing basketball, right? Yeah, I'm doing spring soccer right now. Basketball's in their off season, but off season is still a lot of training, and it's really an opportunity to modify activity and do a lot more 
preventative and strengthening rehabilitation so that they're looking really good going into the summer and then and fall when their season starts up again or winter. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's a lot of, maybe not within the department here, but overall I think there's probably an underappreciation to what athletic trainers do. I mean, obviously it's important, but I mean, compared to 10 years ago, I don't think, I don't even think we could function having sports without athletic trainers. I know there was a couple teams during COVID who their athletic trainers got COVID and then they they had to cancel sports. Mm -hmm. So it's just really important. And obviously there's been a ton of growth. Um, what, what do you think has been the main, I guess, reason for the growth within the last 10 years of it, just in general? I think athletic trainers have really proven their value through action over the course of many years. And my father is a coach. He coaches high school varsity, and he is currently at a high school that does not have an athletic trainer. And the amount of stress and liability that's on coaches when they're not trained in how to handle medical issues keeps athletes out a lot longer than they need to be, or coaches are stuck with situations or emergencies that they're not able to handle. And they also don't need to be concentrating on that they they want to actually concentrate on what they're hired to do and so I think schools and companies over the years have found that they're able to excel in sports when they have an athletic trainer because their coaches are able to do their job but their athletes are also taken care of across the board medically and we're also able to stop long-term issues huge surgeries uh, major traumatic brain injuries and all those lifelong effects that can occur if things aren't prevented or taken care of or able to eliminate those for the most part, which is huge. Yeah, a lot of those, I was in, briefly, when I was in college, I was an AD for a really small school and we didn't have an athletic trainer. Basically it became me being the athletic mm-hmm. trainer and obviously I am very ill-equipped to do that. But yeah, it's it's... There has to be a way to get ATs into more of those small schools. Yeah, and I think a lot of hospitals are taking initiative in doing that because they've found that athletic trainers are a huge asset when it comes to connecting them to the community. We are a huge resource for referrals as well as marketing for hospitals. And so most hospitals now are the ones hiring athletic trainers and then sending them out as outreach individuals for care. Um, How important is it in athletic training to kind of keep yourself educated, keep up with trends? Obviously, 10 years ago, we didn't know anywhere near as much as we know today about concussions. They just weren't treated the same. And then even within the last handful of years, mental health has become a bigger thing. So how important is it for you to just keep informed and keep learning and keep up with those kind of trends obviously that's huge and athletic trainers have been a big part of that medical growth because we're able to be on the field with these athletes collecting data every day whether it's through helmet sensors or injury tracking and surveys and all these things, we're able to collect all of that information on the ground and put it together. And we're a huge asset to research in growing more knowledge about those things. And so being there every single day, 
being able to collect data and constantly growing in that space um, has been huge for athletics and the medical field. And being up to date on our education is vital to give the best care possible, really quality care. Um, just talking about yourself, what kind of, did you kind of always know you wanted to get into athletic training or no. the medical field? How did you kind of develop that and why did you get into athletic training? I started out in physical education at Black Hill State University, you know, I'm the worst, the rival, um, but started out with my education degree, but have always grown up in sports and my mother really encouraged me to just do some shadowing because I wanted to go into coaching and I grew up with coaches that weren't widely knowledgeable on the medical sides of things and it, ended, it resulted in a lot of injury. Um, and so I didn't want to be a part of the problem. I wanted to be a part of the solution. So I started shadowing Tony Silva down at Black Hill State and instantly fell in love with the profession. Uh, I think he had to tell me to go home every day. Um, I loved the atmosphere. I loved being able to work with a patient in preventative work when something happened, all of their treatment, sending them back onto the court and being able to go through that whole process through them. It really was an environment where you got to walk somebody through the entire process and it's very, very rewarding. And I have loved it ever since. Sure. Just the last couple of questions I have for you. I guess the first one is, is there anything specific to the job that you if there was one thing you could tell people that they don't know about athletic training, what would it be? We are specialized in a lot more areas than you would think. We have a lot of exposure, exposure to emergency situations, to overuse injuries, to acute injuries, and we're really the jack of all trades. And we're able to work with a lot of different professions within the health field and we refer to a lot of them and work alongside a lot of them so athletic trainers are much more equipped than people realize to handle all types of injuries and medical needs we're not just taping ankles and handing out water and that's part of, I guess, the growth that we talked about earlier mm -hmm. into the Amazons and into those other companies. Um, the last question I have for you is, if you were to talk to somebody who was maybe going to school for kinesiology or athletic training or potentially interested in just being in the profession, whether in athletics or a different company, what would you tell them? What would your advice be for that person? My advice would be to shadow. Most people that go into athletic trainers are kinetic learn learners to start with. <laughs> uh, they love to put their hands on it, do it, uh, see if they like it, and that would be my main advice. Shadow, talk to your local athletic trainers, get involved. We're all more than happy and excited to show anybody around that's interested and kind of give them a look into our world and to educate them on that. It's really a job of passion, so I'd really encourage people to only go into it if they love it. And there's no way to know that until you really just get your hands dirty. 
All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alyssa. I don't have any other questions for you. Thank you. Second guest today is Director of Golf, Luke Wheeler. I'm just jumping right into it. The first question I have for you is something we kind of touched on last time, but um, just over all the differences between golf and other sports, we kind of talked about this in just that in golf, you aren't they these these golfers have had swing coaches their whole lives, so you aren't necessarily coaching them on their individual swings. So when you are coaching them individually, what do you kind of focus on? Is it more um, strategy on how to play the course, or what do you? What's your focus? Yeah, it's mainly you know I do help out every once in a while with swings. I mean, getting to know how to do all that stuff. Uh, it's coming handy. Uh, some of the guys, you know, learning the lingo and the words and to use and all that stuff. But I generally focus on course management. Uh, getting mentally prepared for tournaments um when i'm out on the course you know it's tough when you have both the men and women playing in the same tournament um you know you have 10 to 12 players out there you may see them twice during the whole round you may see them three times it's uh so you're just you're out there for you know emotional support for the most part um you know picking them up when they need picked up uh keep encouraging them uh you know to keep playing well um or you know just something mentally to get them back on track um it's that's that's the toughest part and that's the toughest part about golf i mean it's it's all mental i mean everybody thinks you know they're, they're hitting a stationary ball as well we'll grab a club and try it i mean it's a, it, it's it's a lot of focus it's a lot of uh preparation it's a lot of practice uh to do what these uh, men and women are doing so um i just sit back and enjoy and uh help out when needed when we're out on the course i can definitely uh, verify through my own game that when i start to get a little <laughs> angry my play kind of shoots downwards so. yep it definitely is it's a you know it's an emotional roller coaster and um if you're down at the bottom you know it's like a big yo-yo you know up and down up and down up and down you just got to keep a evil uh even level keel head and um and play through it when things aren't going well so okay jumping in do a little bit of the you know just your tournaments so far this spring um during the warrior invitational march 7th and 8th you guys were in vegas um, the men had a top half finish. Bryce and Joseph both finished in the top 25, and Jake finished in the top 35. So you had a pretty good start on the men's side. What kind of contributed to just being able to get off to that good start? I, I think it's just uh, maturity. Um, they're all juniors, seniors. Uh, they've been around the block a time or two, uh, you know, the old saying. So um, they know what to expect. They know how to get prepared for these tournaments. Um, we we played well as well as we probably could in Vegas considering the conditions. Um, Monday was an absolute uh, windstorm out there, uh, and you got to play through it. it. You know everybody else has to play it, so I mean you got to adjust to it. And they played well. I think we shot 308 both days. Um, uh, course wasn't in great condition, uh, so they you know, there's another another hurdle you got to adapt to. So. Um, it's just, they, they did, they did the best that they could do out there. Um, could they have done better? Yes. Could they have done worse? Yes. So I was pleased with how, how we did in Vegas on the, on the men's side. So, 
and then kind of jumping into the next tournament. It probably didn't help out real a lot how your kind of travel endeavors were on the way to the next tournament, but um, you know you really had a rough start to the first round. I know some really tough conditions, but uh, Bryce probably shot maybe the worst round of his career. I'm guessing. You know, uh, Jake wasn't that far behind. Same with Joseph. They kind of all shot uncharacteristically low, high rounds for mm. them. Um, what kind of contributed to that? And then, obviously, then you kind of bounce back in the second and third rounds. Yeah, it, a lot of that, um, that first round, I kind of put a lot of blame on myself for not getting them more mentally prepared for that uh, conditions that we played in that Monday morning. Uh, it's Oklahoma, uh, it's cold, which is uncharacteristic at that time. Um, and it was very, very windy on a very, very tough golf course. Um, so yeah, we, we just didn't really show up that first round, um, which it, that happens. You, you, you want to have perfect rounds every time you go out. I get it. Um, but you're going to have days or rounds like that. And it just happened that we had guys that normally don't shoot what they shot. And it, it's just what it is. But the good thing is, is they bounced back that second round that day and, um, and put up the numbers that are normally expected out of them. Uh, so that was good to see. I was, I was proud of them for that, that, uh, they, they were able to, to turn it around and make the adjustments and, uh, and come in with better scores that second round. Sure, and one I guess, thing I guess I wanted to point out was Roger actually kind of was the opposite way that first round. He's your five and shot a 72. So it's it's just unfortunate that you weren't able to take advantage of that. Yeah, we didn't, very, we didn't ham and egg it very well that first round. <laughs> it, um, um, Roger went out and played well that first round, and then, you know, and then he flip-flopped with the other guys. I mean, he just didn't have a good second round, and that happens. Um, it to me, it's a lot of uh, just like like we talked earlier, just the mental focus, the mental attitude, um, and somewhere along the line, he probably strayed off and just had a hard time getting back onto it. So um, we'll be fine. I'm I'm not too worried about it. Um, so we're we're playing we're playing pretty good. We've had two off. I mean, two weeks off uh, to recharge our batteries to get them caught up at school. Um, so they should be ready to go, uh, come our tournament next week. Sure. And then moving on to, I guess, the women's side of it a little bit. Again, you had a, you know, pretty good tournament at the Warrior. Um, you got top 10 finishes out of both Annika Schuler and Rihanna Garland and a fourth place overall finish. And Maya Maxwell actually joined them in the top 20 as well. She hit a 177. So how, how important was it, I guess, to have you know three women start off so well they they played great in vegas um like i said considering the conditions if um and the how long the round took um you know we were pushing seven hours both days for a round which is ridiculous um so you you also have to factor that in towards their their thought processes and their mentality towards it um it um but annika rihanna maya all played very well um Maya would have been a lot better she hurt herself uh halfway through that second round um on that second day um so 
she finished up with um, like a sprained wrist, but um, so kudos to her for gutting it out. Um, but Annika and Rihanna did what they normally do. They just go out there and just steady Eddie. I'm going to go put up some good numbers and uh, help the team to where we need to be. Yeah, and then the next, they had a weekend off, so they did not play at the Oak Tree, but played last weekend at the Pack Classic, where Annika obviously set a record for both low 18 and low 36 hole totals, um, but maybe the second and third weren't as good as maybe the previous weekend. What kind of, I guess, what what do you need to do to get, you know, a little bit more. Cons- Obviously, she's there every week. She's mm. probably going to be top ten. She's been there all year. So, what do you have to do, I guess, to get a little bit more consistent with your two, three, four? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I've been racking my brain on that of just, you know, talking with the girls and just whoever's playing three, four, five that week. You know, it's I'm not expecting them to go out and shoot seventy five. You know, but I'm not. I'm, not expecting them to go out and shoot 95 either. We just need to have a consistent two rounds put together from uh, the women's side, and then we'll be just fine. And I think they'll realize that, oh, yes, I can do this. It's This isn't that difficult for us to be able to put back-to-back days together because you'll notice we'll have a really good round and then a really bad round, and then or really bad round and then a really good round. It's... um. It's been a challenge to try and figure out um, how to get them to be more consistent on a day-in, day-out basis. Um, They're working hard, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm proud of the way they're working. Uh, We just need to be able to put it onto the course during tournament time. It's like I was telling them the other day that, you know, when you guys go out and play a practice round at Arrowhead for practice, you know, you guys, you're loose, you're having fun, you're laughing. You don't take 30 minutes on the green looking at stuff. You know, you're, you know what you're going to be hitting, you know. And I said, why don't we incorporate that into our tournament play? Stay loose. Stay happy. Have a good time out there. If you're not having fun, what are you doing out here to begin with? Um, you know, life's too short. Your college career is too short to, to dwell on the negative so much. So hopefully we can go out next week and since it's our home course, since we know what you know, the course by the back of our hands that they can go out and be loose and play and not think of you know, oh my goodness, this is gonna happen. Well, nothing's gonna happen. You know, we're 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 at a point where we just need to start playing consistently leading up into the conference tournament. Uh, how much of that on the women's side do you think is just youth? I know you have a bunch. Annika's a sophomore. You have a bunch of others. I don't think you have any seniors that are still going out there in your lineup. I, that contributes a lot. I mean, we are very young, um, so um, I'm. You know, Rome wasn't built in the day, um, so we're we're working along. We're moving along just fine. Uh, it's baby steps, so. They'll they'll figure it out, and the more tournaments that they play, the better that they'll get acclimated to the tournament atmosphere and the, the tournament pressure, so to speak. So, um, hopefully, they can uh, figure that out sooner than later, and we'll we'll be just fine. Sure. And then on the men's side, you actually have uh, three tournaments left. You play. Obviously, you mentioned you have a home tournament coming up, and then you're at Walking Stick at CSU Pueblo before the Armac Championships. 
What are your, I guess, what are your thoughts on those courses? Obviously, your home course, you know really well. Have you played at Walking Stick before? Obviously, that's kind of a challenge. It's actually on their campus, so it's about as about as a home court home course advantage as you can get in golf. You know, um, I, I feel really good about these next two tournaments because one, we're at home next week. Um, we should do very well there, just knowing the course, knowing the conditions, knowing the greens. Um, and then we always play well at Walking Stick. Um, every year, what was it, two falls ago, we broke the, the school record for a round. I think we shot a 289 uh, in the third round. Uh, we, shot, we went 290, 289 uh, in round two and round three, um, which incredible. Uh, so, which for people that don't know, that's one over for the team. That 289 is one over out of four guys. So we played really well. The guys that have played it love that course. It's um, That course is set up for college kids. I mean, it's it's long. It's challenging. The greens are really, really good. They're fast. So we we usually do pretty well at, uh, in Pueblo at Walking Stick. So uh, these next two tournaments are really looking forward to uh, for us kind of taking a step forward and then uh, moving that momentum right into conference. Sure, and then women actually just have the two tournaments, just the home tournament and then the RMAC championships. What kind of just contributed you to – in the fall, you had, it seemed like you had a lot more both genders playing the same tournament. Was that intentional to be able to kind of split it up a little bit more? Well, yeah, and just obviously it's me with both teams, so the travel part of it. Um, and then also it's just when people schedule tournaments. Uh, you you kind of got to go where, where the tournaments are at and – and how they have them set up, you know, it's it's nice in Vegas that he does it, uh, men's and women's on the same course, um, so we can take both teams there. Uh, and then from there, it's I like to stagger it off just so I have more focus on one team, and and get to just be with the men or be with the women that week. Um, so to me, part of it is, you know, just me being the only coach. Um, and it just helps me out to, for travel and all that other stuff. So um, it is nice to have both teams there at the same time, don't get me wrong, but it is nice to just be able to have one team and focus on them. And that's how I kind of like to do it. You know, in the fall, you know, you only have so much time in the fall. So um, you try to grant, cram three or four tournaments in, in in a month, you know, a month and a half maybe. And um, a lot of them are dual tournaments with men and women, so we'll 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 take as many as we possibly can and uh, kind of do our evaluations from there in the fall leading into the spring. So that's kind of where we're sitting at right now. Sure. And then, uh, what's been your overall feeling just on the men's side and the women's side on the spring season compared to the fall? Yeah, you know we're we're playing we're playing good golf right now. Um, I, I think the best golf is to come. Um, I think they're ready to, you know, make that next step and and start competing in tournaments, whether, you know, not necessarily winning tournaments, but actually competing and, uh, and battling for top spots. You know, Annika's right there. Every tournament, you know, battling for winning the tournament. I mean, it's uh, there's some darn good golfers in this conference. And uh, she's proven that she's uh, 
one of them right now that uh, is a force to be reckoned with. So um, I'm just hoping the other girls feed off of that and see that and know that, you know, the, the better they play, the better our team plays, the better our team places. So um, it, it should be a little, little bit of a snowball effect there. Um, on the guy side, I think it's um, it's time to make that step, and and they know it, and they're ready for it. And so, um, like I said, I'm just looking forward to the next um, three, four weeks here. Yeah, and I kind of mentioned this already, but it's kind of polar opposite situations where the guys are a little more senior heavy, at least with the two, and the women don't have any. So how does that kind of expect affect your expectations going into the home meet? What are your expectations? You know, I, I, I see us competing to win the tournaments on both sides. Excuse me. Uh, we've got some good teams coming in. Um, you know, Shadron on the women's side is going to be a tough one to, uh, to battle. So, um, but I feel like we can compete with them if we go out and play what the way I know we can play. So, um, I fully expect to be at the top of the leaderboard on day one and day two hopefully have an individual up there um just just in the mere fact that it is our course and we should be able to go out and play now they just got to go out and do it i mean that's it's, it's easy to say one thing and then go out and do another so they just need to put everything together and um and it should be a good week yeah um we kind of already talked about the schedule and the armac championships coming up last year the men finished in ninth and shot a 929. What are you kind of looking for them to do, you know, this spring at the RMAC Championships? Is there certain teams you're kind of shooting for that you feel like you should be able to beat? What do you kind of need to do to see progress? Um, not finish ninth. <laughs> so that that's that's our goal is is um, to get out of the bottom uh, cellar and and start, you know, finish sixth, finish fifth. Somewhere around there. Uh, like I said earlier, um, people might not know it, but there is some darn good golf uh, in the RMAC, especially on the men's side. That um, you know, you have guys that are consistently shooting, you know, two, three under every round, um, and so they're they're the teams. You know, Pueblo, CCU. Usually, Colorado Mines—they're not uh, doing so well this year. But you know, those are the type of teams that are usually at the top of the leaderboard, and that's where we want to get to. Um, and I know we have the—we have talent. We just got to put together. And then you know, playing at Whirlwind this year—you um, know—it's going to be a challenge. Uh, typically, you like to have a conference championship at a same host site, you know, so the kids know the course; they—they're—they're they're familiar with it. Uh, last couple of years, we've bounced around, so this will be a new adventure for everybody, uh, a new course. But on the same side, same sense as, you know, that's for everybody. So unless they've played it on their own at some point in time, no one's seen the course yet. So um, it'll it'll be interesting to uh, to see when we get down there. It's a 36-hole uh, resort, so the women will play on one side and the men will play on the other side. Um and uh, and I honestly I think only one of our girls, you know, Rihanna was from Mesa, and that's where the course is uh, located at down there in Mesa and Chandler, and uh, she's played it a few times, so she knows it, uh, she likes it, um, has some good uh, uh, reports and uh, rec- uh, notes I should say about it, so we'll we'll have a little bit of a leg up on there. 
Yeah, on, on the women's side, they uh, you finished 10th out of 12 there, and they shot a 10-21. Um, you did pretty well, but the difference between 9th and 10th last year was like 40 strokes. Yep. So what do you kind of, is that something that you're looking to maybe get up a couple more spots? What are your expectations there? Um, our expectations there, obviously, is to be better in the field, Um realistically right now we're just not there um but we can be that's and that's the thing that they're that they know that i keep telling them every day you know this is where we need to get to um and this is how you know we do you know we can shave 10 strokes off our game just with our putting so we it's it's stuff they need to work on stuff they've been practicing they're working hard on it right now um, so hopefully come conference time that we can probably shoot the best scores that we've ever shot. Um, you know, if you look in the record books, it's, it's, it's not, it's very attainable that we could break our team record, team scoring record, um, anytime this coming week at conference. So uh, it, it's, it's there for them to get, and, um, they just need to go out and get it. And then kind of moving on to just the future, I guess. Um, on the men's side, obviously you have Bryce graduating after this year, which is kind of a big hit. Um, I would believe also Lane, the mm-hmm. senior. So that's two of your pretty much normal five. How do you kind of replace that going into next year? And what do you have to do to like take a step forward while losing such a solid piece? Yeah, you know, losing Bryce and Lane will be will be tough. Um, they've been the you know in the top five ever since they've gotten here. So, um, they will be missed. Um, but we just, you know, then it comes to me on recruiting. Um, and I, hopefully we brought in some freshmen this year. Hopefully they start stepping up, um, and, you know, bringing in a couple freshmen, uh, for next year, you know, it's just a circle of process. You know, we, I just got to keep <laughs> grinding it out there and finding quality, uh, scholar athletes, um, that, that, can golf and to um to replace them so um yeah it will be tough um to lose those two but i feel like uh we have enough depth to be able to not necessarily replace but to fill in to where the void of what they're going to leave and be able to compete still uh being older um you know the covid years are bringing Jake, uh, Carson, and Roger back. Um, so we'll have those three again um, for their senior year. So we'll have some experience. We'll have some maturity um, on the team to which, you know, hopefully that rubs off on the younger guys and we'll we'll move forward. Sure, and the women, it's kind of the <coughs> exact opposite. You, I know you lost some seniors in the fall, but now I think everybody on your roster is back next year yep. so how important is that in just getting two more years of Annika two more years of Maya two more years how important is that into the growth of that program it's very important I mean because now I mean doing what they're doing now as you know freshmen sophomores um, it's going to be exciting to see what they're going to do as juniors and seniors when they hit the you know the maturity level and all that stuff so um, it, it's going to be huge you know and then like I said it's just really you know, my job to go out and recruit more quality uh, scholar athletes to keep, you know, 
keeping the the train moving, so to speak. So, um, you know, so once Annika and Rihanna, Maya, uh, Jesslyn, you know, get to that that stage where they graduate, that I have, we have uh, young ladies that can step up and keep keep it moving forward. So, yeah, and even Portia, she's only a freshman and she's already part of your basically top four every week. So that's big as well. Yep. Um, what have kind of been your um, things that you've seen both in the fall and the spring that show you that there's been signs of progress from what you guys did last year? You know, not so much score-wise because, you know, we're we're sitting at what we usually shoot. Um, I, I think it's more of a – and I keep going back to this word, the maturity – I think it's just more that these they get it, they understand what it means to be a collegiate athlete. Um, I'm not seeing, you know, the griping or the the complaining and you know of conditioning class, you know, going to see Coach Carl, you know, twice a week. They're busting their butts down in the weight room. Uh, they're inside when we're inside in the simulator. We're outside. They're outside every day. So I mean, just the fact that they know that they got to get out and do it. They got to go out and practice. It's just not going to come to them um, without me having to tell them that. Um, do I have a practice plan for the week? I do. Do we deviate from that? Yes. <laughs> it's it's. We'll work on stuff, but you know what? If they feel like they need to work on something else, they'll come up and talk to me. I mean, without hesitation, and they say, "Hey, can we have a talk?" And yep, this is what I need to do. This is what I feel like I need to work on. I said, "All right, let's go do that instead." Because, I mean, that's just what you do as adults. I mean, and that's what I feel like I got with this this group is a good core of adults that have no problem being able to come up to me and talk to me, sit down and explain things, what's going on, personal, golf-wise, what have you. And to me, that, that I, I appreciate that from them. So um, it makes my life a heck of a lot easier. Yeah, and that's, that's all I have for you today. You have a home tournament coming up next week. I believe it's Monday the 4th and 5th down at Arrowhead. Good luck, and good luck on the rest of the season. Well, thanks. Yeah, hopefully you guys come out and uh, come out and watch some golf next uh, Monday, Tuesday. Shotgun start at 9 o'clock. Thanks again for joining us, Luke. This has been the Hard Rocker Huddle. I'm Josh Van Valkenburg-Gernert, signing off.